We're going to talk branding, but not in a trite way and not in a buzzwordy way. My guest has got a really, really good sense of what a brand is and what branding is and how important it is that you set the expectations. And in order to do that, she's got a list of five things that start with V. And I promise you, this is so easy to follow. So stay tuned to get your brand you. My guest is Colette Stevenson, who is all about branding. She also has an amazing thing she coaches people in on Instagram. And we talk about that towards the end of this conversation. But most of this is her fascinating story, which actually connects us with Japan and design and ups and downs and her really good take on branding. Colette is based near lovely Liverpool and you'll hear that lovely Liverpudlian warmth as we have this conversation. So let's get on with this conversation because both Colette and I have already confessed that we like talking about all this stuff and we might not be able to shut ourselves up. So I think the sooner we get into it, the better. Um, welcome, Colette. Hi, Tricia. I'm really excited to be here. I'm actually a secret fan. <laughs> I love that. If this is this, listeners, is a typical LinkedIn um, story in so much as I will actually unpack this, Colette, because it's quite interesting. So, so we're there, both there on LinkedIn, showing up, doing our thing, whatever. Um, you were spying on me. I hadn't totally spotted you, and I don't want you to take that um, Oh, personally. I don't at all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then I did. But then I spotted you big time, because there on my feed popped up a little flash saying Colette Stevenson live now and for some odd reason because there's no way I do this with everything that always pops I decided to come into that little LinkedIn live and you just started talking about something fascinating but it wasn't just what you were talking about it was an immediate sense of oh I like this person this feels like um, the kind of person I would want to have a good conversation with um they feel very real um as you know no barriers up there wasn't anything flashy about the way you were presenting yourself and and so I communicated with you in the direct messages said exactly that and invited you to be a guest on my podcast and the reason I'm telling that story is listeners that could be you yeah, I jumped at the chance. I was like, oh, Trisha Lewis has just invited me onto a podcast and then carried on rambling on my live about how exciting that was. But yeah. I think you'd already gone by that point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I came out pretty quick. But no, no, no. I, I was it, I just think it's a really, really good example of, of how these 
how you need to be showing up basically in order yes. for people to invite you to do things right okay so we, we've already established in the introduction sort of what you do in basic terms but we need to um delve down that let before we get into talking about what i know listeners are going to be fascinated about which is anything to do with branding that can make more sense of it in a sort of how do I get me in there? How do I get the branding in there? And then we add in the ingredient of Instagram. And for those listeners who are thinking, I don't want to go Instagram, um, you don't have to, nobody's going to force you, but I think it's always <laughs> good to know stuff. And so you might open up and think I might experiment with it or whatever, but a lot of what we talk about will have relevance anyway in the wider field. So I want to know a bit about your story about how you got here. Um, now, obviously, I don't want to know your entire life story, Colette, because, you know, Ooh. we've only got 40 minutes or whatever. <laughs> but although I do, but <laughs> let's just go with the fact that I already know that you are based in Liverpool. You clearly have a Liverpool um, hereditary, uh, that's not the right, heritage, that's it. I can detect a slight Liverpool loveliness in your way you speak. But then you said to me, ah, oh, yes, but I've spent most of my adult life in, wait, wait for it, bit of a drum roll here, Japan. Yeah. How did this, how did this happen? Um, well, quite honestly, my, my life was a mess in uh, my 20s, my early 20s, my mid 20s. I was in a pretty dark place. I was not in a great relationship. Uh, it wasn't great for me or him. It was just a really bad pairing. Um, I was um, unhappy, I was kind of a bit lost. And at the turn of the millennium, I remember standing on a roundabout and everyone was singing. And I thought, I've got to make a change. This is not what I want. Um, and so I spent the next couple of years, I'd always wanted to live in another country. As a teenager, I thought one day I'll have a mini and I'll drive around Europe and I'll sleep in the back of the car. That was my big dream, <laughs> um, but I'd grown out of that dream. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and live in another country. And um, I'd heard about teaching English abroad. So I thought, well, I'll do that. I'll do that for a year. It'll improve my CV. And then when I come back, I'll be a teacher and people will want to hire me because I've got this experience. That was that was my plan. So I, I jump on a plane, go through, just like just like that, uh, <laughs> jump on a plane, go to Japan and um, loved it. And at the end of my first year, I thought, oh, I'll just stay for another year. And then I stayed for another year and I thought, oh, I'll just do one more year. And I did that for, for 15 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was fabulous. That's amazing. Um, yeah, because I did a tiny little teaching English as a foreign language qualification <laughs> and then it taught it for about two weeks in Bournemouth. So I, I feel that that... <laughs> <laughs> that you really took it to the places it's meant to be taken, um, which is as a way of, of traveling. I mean, I, I think that's that's perfect. Um, and Japan is, again, I mean, people might go to Spain or whatever, but no, Japan is, is such a beautifully, richly different culture and, and all the rest of it. What do you, can you pinpoint what really got in your heart about it? No, 
Um, no. What you mean before I went or when I was there? No, when you were there. When or I did was you, there. Did you have a reason to go there or was that just purely because that's where the no. jobs came? Yes. No, I'd, I'd, I'd read memoirs of a geisha, sh- shown, <laughs> shown my ex and he went off before me. I met somebody else while I was in the you know interview process and um so when I went out there we'd broken up but that was kind of that was basically it wasn't it wasn't like <laughs> a really wonderful romantic incredible inspired decision it was more like oh this seems like a good place I did apply for a job in Taiwan actually first and I applied and got a job two minutes later and was asked if I could start the next day I thought a bit dodgy yes yes quite no no no, very wise very wise in your young years so once you're there and you're going into the third or the fourth year clearly Mm. is it the people is it is it it was the life it was the whole lifestyle I mean in my first year I met my now husband um but that wasn't the reason why I stayed I'm sorry husband (laughs) Um, it was more that I like, I loved my work. I loved the lifestyle. Um, every day I was hanging out with people from different parts of the world. So my work, obviously I was teaching English as, as another, as a foreign language, as a foreign language in a large company. And in my early years, I was working in a large company and all the other teachers were from other parts of the world. So you know, there were people, there were people from all English speaking countries, but the school also taught Chinese, French and German. So there was like just this massive amount of really interesting people. I thought everyone was really interesting. Plus the staff were all Japanese as well. So every morning you'd come in and you'd say good morning in multiple languages. I loved that. I just loved it. I loved being around people who were not like me. I felt like it set me free, but nobody knew who I was. Nobody had any expectations of me. Nobody. And and if I did something wrong, it didn't matter because I wasn't supposed to fit in with any cultural norm because I was from a culturally different place to everybody else. Unknown to me, my whole life, I've, I've been ADHD. So I've always been slightly off center, slightly not in tune with everyone. Slight, I've always found it slightly different to participate in the world and suddenly I was in a world where everybody was making the effort to participate and accept the fact that not everybody was on the same page or that everybody was slightly different or that people did do things differently and it was culturally acceptable in that workplace to be you. I loved oh it. Oh my god! Absolutely loved it. I didn't. Ex- I, you know, sometimes you ask these stories, and I'm always fascinated to know how people have got to where they are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's not always that they, in the first five minutes of this podcast, sort of go almost right to the core of everything that I'm kind of about in what I do. And you just did it, and and I didn't see it coming. But that was sorry. <laughs> No, I I love it when I don't see things coming. I mean, I that is just it's just beautiful that you were not. Yeah, the labels were all thrown up in the air and trashed and 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 oh, I love that. I love that. Right, okay. Before we get too into that, because that in itself is fascinating. Um, so what I'm now wanting to know is because you're um you're a designer. You're yes. Yeah. So. At what point did did you then go into that? I mean, actually, I would imagine Japan would be really inspiring in terms of visual 
input, but it, I don't it know. Was, it was, it was. I mean, but the thing, I mean, I studied drama at university, um, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a designer by trade. I wasn't a, an educator by trade. I had no qualification to teach. I didn't even have an ESL certificate. I was totally a just a make it up as a go along kind of person. But um, I'd helped my ex run a business in the past and d designed a logo and really enjoyed it. Um, and was fascinated by the process of branding and creating. I'd worked in a newspaper selling advertising. I was terrible at the sales, but spent ages creating the ads. It was just something I was drawn to. At school, I liked making the front covers. That was the thing that I was just drawn to. And as a teacher in, in, this, in this environment, this wild, wild environment with terrible textbooks, by the way, um, we were kind of forced to bring these terrible textbooks to life in different ways. And so I had the freedom to create resources. So, and suddenly I discovered that I could draw to communicate things to people who couldn't speak English. Cause some of the students, they came in with zero English ability. So you're starting from scratch. And uh, they were kind of in some ways, the easiest lessons, the intermediate lessons where you're having to explain difficult concepts, like what's the difference between will and going to. Um, I loved those lessons and you're drawing out the examples and you're demonstrating things and you are acting things out. I mean, I was in my element. But this, this idea where I was constantly creating was a kind of heaven for me. And then the, the things kind of turn around as they do, you know, five years in, things weren't as they seemed. I'd been promoted like quite a bit by this point, um, but there was a darkness. I couldn't really put my, pinpoint it, couldn't explain it, but there was a darkness. A lot of the senior managers had dropped off and I left too. Six months later, the company had gone bankrupt and it turned out the CEO had been stealing everyone's pension money, but <clears throat> um, you could feel it. Um, so I'd left and went self-employed. And that was where I then suddenly had to try and market myself in a country where actually I didn't really speak the language, still couldn't read or write very well. So I could only communicate visually. Um, so that's kind of where that began. And then I had my, my little laptop, my little Mac, and I spent, I made flyers and posters and I opened a kid's school and started making resources, storybooks and sticker books and little characters for the children. And I was just on fire and I used to like work all night in Starbucks. Starbucks was open, well, not all night till 11 o'clock. It was open till 11. And I'd sit there designing and creating things thinking, oh my God, imagine if I could do this for my real job. Imagine if this was my real life, just creating stuff all the time. And while I was there, I met this guy and he used to sit on a table, a few tables away every night, same as me on his computer. And we got chatting and I was like, well, what do you do? And he says, oh, I'm a blogger. And I was like, what? I didn't know people actually were real life bloggers. And I was like, you make money from that. It's like such a rude question, right? <laughs> but it's not. But I was genuinely curious. And, and he was like, yeah, I, I do quite well out of it. And I was like, well, what do you write about? And he said, fonts. And I was like, well, like typography and things? And he was like, yeah, he said typography. So it turned out he was this quite prolific uh, design guy who writes about typography and I'm like oh my god you're actually famous like in typography world like if you were a geek he'd be famous and I was, and so we started chatting I was fascinated that he made money talking about design and design elements and um 
my kind of worldview shifted. I saw the potential of working online for the first time. Um, wow, 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 wow. Sorry. Now, you, that, no, there's, I'm just unpacking a couple of things here. This is such a rich story. So, and I, 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 I mean, obviously, you know, I've got background in acting and all this. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm feeling a lot of what you're saying. And the, the bit that I enjoyed when I did do the teaching English as a foreign language, I, I exaggerate, I did more than two weeks, but... <laughs> Um, yes. but, but, the, the, but the bit I enjoyed was where I was talking about things like idioms um, and expressions. I loved that. That was because that was oh, acting. It's just yes. acting. It's yeah. like this, and I throw it out, and or doing silly stick men on the board. And I still still do silly stick men sometimes mm -hmm. now in my content. And I, it, it's and it's really interesting because I think there's a lesson here about really being present to get what it is that's creating the buzz in you because it isn't always quite as packaged up as we think so so if I so for instance coming from doing a lot of one-person shows a lot of acting experience blah 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 for years um in a way, I saw going into setting up my own coaching business as being, oh, God, will it feel a bit dry? Will it feel? I mean, I know I'm fascinated by people. So that was the common link. But of course, when you set up your own business, if you want, if you if you get a buzz out of creating stuff, it is heaven because you are <laughs> just like you said i love creating it's like oh i've got an idea for a course i've got an idea for a program i've got an idea for some content it's just <laughs> creative now obviously there is a danger because if you are um of that mindset um i have had to learn to be a little bit more focused than i was to begin with <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah i've had so many random businesses over yes, time but, but, you know, it's just that sometimes recognizing what is what is lying at the core of the thing that I really enjoy. And it isn't always obvious that that, that is transferable to, to something else, you know. And, and I think your story um, is just so illustrative of, of understanding something that really gets you going. Maybe thinking, oh, no, but I can't do this in that world. And then think, oh, no, hang on a minute, I can. Da, 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 da. Love mm -hmm. it, love it, love it. Right, going to move on. Um, I'm going to get you back now into your you've set up as in in this designing and particularly in um, branding. Okay, yeah. so let let's we we we're saying this word branding. Um, I've I've delved into it in a few previous episodes, but it's always a fascinating topic. Um, mm because I think people have different views of what it means and some people get really frustrated by it. And I would like to know how you would, I don't define, I don't literally mean you to give me a neat little definition, although you might have one. What is branding and why does it matter? Oh, this is my favorite question and I could talk about it for hours, but I will try and keep it short. Um, first of all, branding is not your brand. Can I talk about what it's not first? Yes. So branding, yes. branding is not your brand. Your brand is your promise and whether you deliver it or not, that informs your brand. If you make a promise and you deliver it, you create a brand, which is your reputation and your image and people learn to trust you and they learn what to expect from you. And it's those expectations and the delivery on those expectations that build your brand. There's a lot more goes into it. There's a lot of emotion and a lot of other stuff that goes into it. But essentially, that's 
that's it in a nutshell and you can't control necessarily how people perceive you other than in knowing what you promise to deliver and in making sure that you deliver it and in understanding that the experience that people are going to get from it and then your branding is a representation of that experience and the emotion that people are going to get so it's part of your promise when they see you they can kind of predict what kind of experience they're going to get so for example if you um, are offering some kind of like adventure retreat thing and it's like really fun and outdoorsy and full of energy and full of excitement and then you use lots of nice gentle nature colors right people are going to be thinking they're going on some relaxing retreat right and then when they get there they're going to be in for a shock and they're going to be disappointed and you're going to get complaints now that's quite an extreme example but when you're looking at your branding what you're doing is you're creating an experience, a preview of an experience for your customers. And your branding is, oh, it's massive. Um, for me, it's five core things. There's uh, your values. People go on and on and on about, you need to know your brand values. Your brand values are not your personal values. They're your business values. You have to step outside of your business and separate yourself from your own values and try and determine what your business values are. So we do a lot of that on the course that I teach, but that's it's something that you can do at home on yourself, understanding your brand values and try and shrink them right down to just one or two that never change, right? Never, ever, ever change. Then you need your brand vision. So your values are kind of your deep roots. It's like the core of you and your brand vision is where you're going to. And by vision, I don't mean your goals. I don't mean some like, you know, I want to make this much money or I want to reach this many people. It's not a specific thing. Your vision is bigger than that. It's bolder than that. What, what is it? What is your vision? How do you want to be seen in yourself and by other people? What do you want to change in the world? Like go really big and bold, be brave about it. You don't have to tell anyone, but the clearer you are about your vision and the clearer you are about your values, the other three things start to fall into place. So you've got your vision, you've got your values and your vocation. Your vocation is essentially what you do, right? This is your products, your services, your business, your identity, the bit that the customers know about. They don't necessarily know about the other two things. So that's the thing that you talk about. This is what I can do to help my customers. And to talk about your vocation, you need to know who you're helping, how you're helping them, in what way, what kind of price range, all of that kind of thing. That's your vocation. Then you've got your vibe, which is how you're feeling, um, how your customers feel, the energy that's, that's underneath your brand, the energy that your brand expresses, the energy that your customers experience when they encounter you, when they see your content, when they hear your voice, whatever it is, all of that is really, really embedded into your brand. And then you've got your voice, uh, the kind of tone that you're using, the kind of language that you're using. Are you going to be like quite formal? Are you going to be quite serious? Are you going to be quite subdued? Or are you going to be informal are you going to be light are you going to be jokey um you know what what is your voice how are people going to hear you that's all part of the experience and you can't have those final three things without your uh without your values and your vision and when you've got all those five things in place it is much easier then to think well hang on a second now i know what i want to say and how i want to look you can't wow. do any of that without those five things. 
Oh my God. Um, right. Okay. This is, this is great. I mean, listeners, I spoil you with my guests. <laughs> this is like, so um, rich. This is, this is, I love it. No sort of trite phrases um, thrown out from you, Colette. And I knew that would be the case. And it is with all of my guests. I j- I have a, I have a magical skill of just knowing. <laughs> I know I, I pick up the vibe, the energy through the screen. I mean, seriously, listen. I haven't met Colette. We've not met in person, no. and we've bet, and we have not had a conversation face to face, even through a virtual screen. So I'm not actually joking when I say this. But why? Why? What is it? And I would assume, bearing in mind that Colette has just given us all that information, that Colette has thought about all this herself. And therefore, Uh I immediately did pick up the vibe and Uh all the rest of it and understood. And so it was pretty easy for me to take that next step into whatever, you know, whatever I wanted to um, go further with Colette. And so that's it, isn't it? Is it? It makes it okay. I, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. We talk about no like trust. Yeah, and you could, and it, and it is true. That's the impact of the other stuff. Yes, exactly. And and we talk about relationship building and all that stuff. And in many ways, some of this stuff is definitely not overnight. It's mm. definitely got to evolve you evolve Mm. and your message evolves again that's not overnight either when you first set up in business but also people getting to know you evolves and you communicate with them and all the rest of it so that's quite I don't know why I'm thinking out loud in the middle of a blinking podcast but I (laughs) am I love it when people think out loud I I, I'm a think out louder (laughs) Well, I just, you've inspired this me because I thought I was thinking about ti- the time element of all this, because in many ways you could, you could sit down and you could say, right, I'm going to write out my values, my vision, my vocation, vibe and voice, mm. all of which, by the way, I love as, uh, yeah, I love that. So you could do that. Um, you, uh, and then you could sort of almost go straight out there with, you, you, you know, maybe get a designer on board as well mm. and possibly whatever, and there we are. You've got your message, you've got the look, you've got the colors, you've got the fonts, you've got everything going on. All be- but how do you see the time sort of factor in all of this ultimate mix that leads to people connecting with you? Mm. Mm. Yeah. By time, you mean how long it takes to. Yeah, I mean, is it, can you do this? as quickly as I made it sound just then? Um, Right, that's a really good question, actually, because for me personally, it's been a journey Mm. to, A, uh, understand those five things and get them into categories that I can easily communicate to my clients, right? Because obviously I'm working with people, so I have to, rather like when you're doing teaching, you have to be able to explain quite complex ideas in a way that people can identify with and then take on board. And that that's based, this is my way of explaining branding to my clients so that they can do the work. Um, and then I do the work with them. But the process itself is different for everybody. Some people will sit down and do their values and they'll get really stuck on it, right? So, I mean, I do have, you know, processes and things and tutorials and 
classes like group coaching and all kinds of things to help people get through it worksheets and stuff but some people will really overthink the values thing and some people will underthink it and sometimes you have to just revisit it it's a process it, it is an evolution you do i revisit it quite regularly um but generally your values pretty much stay the same they don't they, if once you've done them well they might shift a little bit but they're pretty solid your vision might expand or change or move depending on you know which way you're looking right? you, you might be looking in a different direction so you're going to have a different vision um I, so. I just i just thought of another element to this so if you so you're working you're working on this and then especially if you're in the you know so you you you're newly setting up this business mm. basically or you're refreshing it you're looking at you're pivoting or whatever you're doing mm. and then say you go to a designer this could mm. be with your website or you know or your social media whatever whatever you get a design or for your logo and now there's another little thing that creeps in isn't there which is this confidence in this thing that you believe in this vision of because it's very easy now to get you know um these this design or whatever with the best will in the world giving you something which you sort of think oh okay that's great that's lovely it looks good it looks good mm. so I'll go with it yeah um, yeah it's a yeah you one. know what I mean I do know what you mean because you have to, the, the thing when you go to a designer they're interpreting your message and mm. the clearer your message is and the more you understand your message the easier it is to express it and the easier it is to course correct someone who might misunderstand something and that's where the confidence comes. The confidence comes with your knowledge of it. So in the beginning, when you're first setting up a business, I think for most people, um, you are going to feel a bit wobbly. And a lot of the time you are going to miscommunicate and you are going to make mistakes and you are going to give out the wrong message. And that's healthy because that's how you realize that it's the wrong message or that you've created the wrong thing or you've gone down the wrong route or you've said yes to something because you didn't want to say no to something. All of that is it's part of a really important part of your journey. It's not a reason to quit. It's not a reason to stop. It's not a reason to beat yourself up. It's a reason to congratulate yourself because you've stepped forward and you've learned something. So I don't think it matters about getting these five elements perfect by any stretch of the imagination. The course I teach at the moment, we, we spend three weeks doing those five elements. And some of my clients will, will, will spend hours doing all of them. And some of them will scribble through them in 10 minutes. Uh, some of my clients won't even bother because they've already got their branding in place and they don't want to do it all again, which is completely fine. But th those that spend the time with it, you can see the difference in the work they produce after the fact because they have such clarity about what they stand for. They're, they're like, oh my God, I get it. That the content flows. They don't have to think about what to say anymore because they already know without thinking about it, what they need to say and how they need to say it and who they're talking to. It doesn't, it, it, that stagnation just falls away. But I, it is a journey. I'm not going to say you're going to you sit down and you write down these five things and then voila, you've got a brand or you've got some brand. Like your branding, 
it is the the kind of the dressing it's the clothing that you put on over all of those things right and you can change your clothing at any time and those five things can remain the same oh now now, oh oh yes now because i wrote down here fallacy of sunk costs uh, Mm. which is an expression which i expect many would be familiar with example simple example you have got a whole load of um in the days that we used to use business cards which hey I don't know about (laughs) you but they seem to have literally disappeared off the face of the earth but and I've got a few boxes somewhere but in the days where they were way more used at networking and all the rest Mm. of it um I I I have definitely thrown away um big boxes of you know uh printed stuff okay because I have said to myself I don't care that I spent some money on that this is no longer how I see myself okay this isn't aligning this there's something adrift here I am putting this in the recycling obviously (laughs) okay Uh, um and you're holding on to it just because you've spent on it spent yes. money on it is can be really toxic for you I've done that before I think everyone has haven't they we just get yes ready. and it's really difficult especially if you spend a lot of money on a website I mean you know people do spend a huge amount um but please you know you have to you have to be brave about this because there is there is simply nothing there's nothing worse than that constant niggly feeling that you're just not quite aligned with this this look um even down to a font it's ridiculous but it, it matters well, the thing is it's, it, it's your yeah. identity it's how people see it. I remember years ago this is a, it's, it's it's a little bit off track but not really years and years and years ago I went to a job interview I was a teenager I was like 16 and it was like to be like a trainee manager at Primark I was all excited but I didn't have a suit so I borrowed one of my mum's my mum was quite a bit bigger than me but um, I wore the suit anyway. It was this big, giant, big-shouldered, huge suit. It didn't fit me. I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like an absolute fool. On top of that, I, I, was, I did the worst interview in the history of my life. But I think some of that might have been the way that I felt like I was presenting myself, right? Now, it probably would have been better for me to wear something a bit more casual, than it was to work, go in wearing a fake suit to pretend that I was something that I wasn't. And it's the same with our brand. Sometimes we dress up our brand to try and look professional or to try and look like other people in our industry or to try and be more like this rather than to be who we are. And, and that, it, it, like, so you'll see like a lot of people in a particular industry all using similar colors and similar fonts and, and to the untrained eye or to somebody new in business, they'll look at they'll look at their branding and they're like, oh, God, I look like a professional business. I look like I've done it. I've done it. This is not in any way a criticism of people in this situation. It's part part of the process, I think. I'm like, oh, God, I look like a real business. Actually, do I have it? No, I don't. Um, years ago, I ran a, a corporate training business, as you do. And I made all these brochures that looked like corporate training businesses. Oh my God, it was so boring. It just looked like every other corporate trading business. Why would anyone buy that, right? It didn't look like anything that I was actually delivering. It didn't look like me. It didn't look like my values. It didn't look like my course. It looked like a bland corporate training 
Yes, Ab- absolutely. You're, you're, you are literally speaking my language. And I do very little um, training within companies. Uh, 90% of the stuff I do is one-to-one. But I do work with one company and I was and I was brave. And it was also to do with the way I'd been approached as well. So a combination of those things. I didn't. I kept saying, don't. Don't make this look like you think it should look. Don't do it. They know you. They've literally come to you because they know you. Don't do do this. I had to constantly lecture myself. And sure enough, the whole manner in which I delivered the training, the whole way that they related to me and communicated, it was totally different because it was what it was actually what they wanted they didn't want the other side. yeah you weren't <laughs> trying to be and you weren't trying to be what people expected you exactly. to be in uh, it, it's it's yeah. now look we have to we have to go to instagram now we have okay. to okay listeners don't go don't go listeners come back, come back, come back, come back. okay now look you love it or loathe it it's a thing and it might be something you least want to explore like like all of life you never know until you give it a go really but my when I first went onto Instagram I was very reluctant um to be honest because I thought it's always all I was just using it to share kind of nature photos you know the sea the walks in the wood funny birds that I see on the path or whatever or or, or quirky stuff like that but uh, and when it came to um, my book um, wanting to promote my book somebody said oh you should be on Instagram with that blah blah okay let's give it a go so on I go trying to be a little bit more strategic um, and put a bit of branding into some of the little squares there. And then I tried to actually do squares that actually, you know, one alternated with another thing. And mm, then yeah, did all yeah. that. Then I tried to do some reels. Right. OK, so I have now settled into a pattern and I have no idea whether it's of any use to my business or not. Um, but the thing is that I enjoy doing it because it's simply visual and I'm just I am keeping the color my brand colors scattered throughout the sort of grid if you like and 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 I am being me so there's no and every now and then I'll put some I'll put a picture of my book on that one. <laughs> <laughs> highly strategic treasure well done um, but I tried doing a couple of reels and people get a bit hung up on this and I just, and I just couldn't do it because to me the whole sort of pointing at words and it felt incredibly contrived and I just I couldn't do it if I every time I went anywhere near it which was about four times I felt even even when I got loads of views I thought I I don't get why I'm doing this views aren't sales not me yeah okay so you have an approach uh with Instagram um you've actually got this this um trademarked thing approach Mm -hmm. called poster grid um which is fascinating we, we, in the last five minutes of this which is not a lot for you to tell me about the entire thing but <laughs> in terms of the listeners if you were to nobody's going to force them to do it but is there a perspective on this in terms of people getting to know them people getting to recognize their brand and there being something that also doesn't feel sleazy and salesy and superficial that you could kind of give yeah so um 
to be full disclosure, I didn't like Instagram. I used to use it to share pictures um, of my life in Japan at one point. Um, and then uh, I ran a cafe, as you do. Um, and I used it to showcase the food and the coffees and things. That was when I started using Instagram. But I didn't really see the point. I didn't really get any return on investment that I could see. Um, I just found it boring. And, I, you know, after a while, the grid always just looked a bit messy. And for and I was like, it just even if everything was on brand, it still looked like all these random thumbnails. They didn't really make sense. So I didn't really enjoy it. And when I moved back to the UK and I set up as a designer, I was like, well, I'm going to have to use Instagram because it's a visual platform. Billions of people use it. Some of my customers are on there and it's a way to represent. It's like a, a portfolio of my work. So I thought, right, I'll use it as a portfolio of my work. Same thing, I tried that checkerboard thing, I tried stripes, and it was so much effort. I'm like, okay, what color do I have to do now? I've got to do a white one next, or I've got, a, oh my God, is my font in the right place? I don't have like words on the left and next to words on the right. And I was like, oh my God, it was an absolute nightmare. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, my grid looks really nice at the moment. Then I'd put a post up and it would look awful again. It just drove me up the wall. I couldn't stand it. And then on top of all of that, you'd go to all this effort to make the images. Then you still had to write the captions and find hashtags and then go and engage with everybody. And then out came stories and reels. And I, was, I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it, but I knew I needed to do something with it. Um, and by chance, I posted um, a couple of picture, uh, uh, graphics together that kind of bled into each other. And I was like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be great if my whole grid did that? And I, I immediately saw a way to do that very simply. Um, so I thought, well, I'll give that a try. So I experimented a bit with Photoshop. And I was like, do you know what? I think there's another way to do this. So I experimented. Suddenly I was in like creative play mode. You know, I'm just going to play. So I just played, tried some different ideas and by chance found this system that meant that I could have a grid that just flowed no matter what I posted, whether I planned it or whether I posted on the fly, it would always just flow. It would always look like my grid. It would always look like my content. Every square would have its own content and it would just be a continuous thing. So I wouldn't have to worry anymore about what it looked like. And it would showcase that I was a designer. That was it. It was purely selfish. So I started doing it and the longer I did it, um the more impact it started to have and I got this random dm saying oh my god just saw your grid I need to throw money at you and I was like yes <laughs> it's like it's like the perfect message right but it wasn't the only one and then out came clubhouse and so like I was I was like I, for the first time I actually once once when I had Instagram on the go even though I didn't seem to be getting a lot of leads from Instagram a strange thing happened I was fully booked for the first time in my business in the UK ever. Um, and it didn't seem to be directly coming from Instagram, but I couldn't, I couldn't disconnect the co that coincidence at all. Um, and I thought, you know what? I can do this for other people. I think I can do this for other people, but I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know how I was like, would I design each person's grid? So that means it's just me designing somebody's grid for each other. How would I price that so that, you know, because I can only do so many clients a month doing it that way. 
so so advice i joined a sales course with a guy called pete scott and um helen pritchard the linkedin person and um, i said oh you know i've got this thing but i don't know how to sell it and helen messaged me and said i'll give you 10 percent and if you if I, i'll mentor you for 10 percent." so basically she dragged and dented me and i was like yeah great okay um Anyway, we ended up going 50-50 and built a business, trademarked it and turned it into an academy. And then I went right back to the beginning, completely changed the way Poster Grid worked so that I could teach anybody to create their own grids, even if they're not a designer. Well, I'm, I'm listeners, just flicking through um, Poster Grid on Instagram because that's what it's called. It's called Poster Grid. Don't look for Colette Stevenson look for poster grid p-o-s-t-a-g-r-i-d i'll put the links in the show notes um and it's an it's a visual delight and i fortunately um for colette's business could not for one second work out how it's done <laughs> no so the, the original one the original one's under colette.branddesigner um which is, you know, that was where I was targeting early years educators um, to do design work. And it's a very different vibe. And yeah. the poster grid one, if you scroll right down to the bottom on the poster grid one, there's like this fake wine brand because I had to showcase that I could have something that was more adult. <laughs> like, oh, brilliant. I was like, what's more adult? I'll do a wine brand. So I made up this fake wine brand and was creating fake content to go with the wine brand. And that was when I realized that once you understand your, your branding, your content flows naturally. So they, they inter interweave with each other. Instead of going to a designer and getting all your branding done, and then you come back and you're trying to match your colors to, to make a graphic to fit in with some content that you've written, or you've got a graphic and you're trying to write content to go with the graphic. Instead of that, the two things just slot together perfectly. So I stopped having, even with a fake brand, I could like hammer out content about wine. I know nothing about wine. This is, just, um, this is just magical. I, I, I honestly, <laughs> listeners, you will look at you will look at this, and like me, you'll be so slightly um, taken aback because you think, "Oh my god, this is." So it's not it's not like you think of these fancy the way the grid. It's not that at all. It's something else, and I don't know what it is. And we all <laughs> have to go and obviously find the secret by working with Colette, and that's all there is to it. So. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it makes it so much more like you said, you've got creative, you've got into play mode and things happen. And, and that in itself is a message for all of us uh, listeners. Remember, get creative, get playful. I, I do go on about that quite a bit. Um, I think you you have a drama background, as do I. And I think yeah, that yeah. It comes very naturally to us to realize the advantages of what happens when you get when you rehearse when you mess around when you improvise um good things and bad things happen because yeah. that's that's where it all goes on so so you don't have to be a fancy designer you don't have to be a mm -hmm. fancy creative even but you do have to sort of get into those playful modes um mm -hmm. you know what whatever your thing is in order to loosen up a little bit and make some mistakes and realize no no that's not me that's definitely not me that that doesn't mm. feel right in order to know what is you and all the rest of it and um you know and don't just go with a very dry template that you oh god i hate templates somewhere. oh so why oh my god i'm so really anti-template i'm so, somebody kept saying you know about uh like you know do you make templates I'm like no 
There is no template. <laughs> we don't do no. any templates in Postgres. <laughs> we, we, we speak the same language, which means that we could speak for another two hours. So we better wrap yeah. up. Um, uh, but 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 I'll probably have you back because I think just in one of these things alone we could we could dig a heck of a lot deeper. So before I wrap up, um, a is there anything that you were burning to say that I haven't actually given you an opportunity to? And b just tell listeners the best place to make sure they connect with you. Uh, the only thing I want to say is thank you for inviting me on here so spontaneously. I really I, it really excited me and I've really enjoyed it. Um, to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn as Colette Stevenson. On Instagram, you can find me as PosterGrid or Colette.BrandsDesigner. Um, and you can also follow me on Facebook. I'm basically everywhere. Oh, yeah, now Facebook. Except don't, Twitter. Don't let's get started. Oh, you're not on Twitter. No. Oh, I have such Well, I am, but I don't use it. I'm just No, I, oh, don't, don't. Listen, stop. I'll tell you what I can, I'll, just, I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> I'll stop recording um, and then we'll have five minutes wrapped up chat so that we don't have to um, worry the listeners with the rest of it. Okay, brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much, Colette. Loads of generous goodies given to our listeners. And um, yeah, I look forward to having you back again. Yeah, thank you. Yes! Inspired by that episode, how about some action beyond the words? Take this one small step. Well, looking at all those five V's would be really useful, but focus in for a minute on the vision one, because I think you can go beyond where you possibly already are by looking big, looking at how you want to be seen, how you want to change the world. And that doesn't have to be shared with anybody, but it definitely goes in to your brand and branding. Let's stay connected. Listen, I'm all about helping solo entrepreneurs, small business owners make sure they have real communication impact as themselves. Anything that weakens their impact or creates the wrong impact, we sort. And my take on imposter syndrome is the squashed self. Have you heard of my book, The Mystery of the Squashed Self? It's got a lot of good reviews, so head over to Amazon to get your hands on the ebook or the paperback. And all the links, of course, to all of my resources are on shalewis.com.